you know, if you say something you shouldn't say or you're like, oh, I hadn't said that, I'll just edit it out later. Thanks, man. More than fine. <laughs> Sometimes he just leaves them in. And for me, when I'm like, don't put them I in. I leave your things in. Mine in. Jack. Love it. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I'm joined as always by my co-host Alex Adams. Hi Jai! How are you? Good, how are you? I feel like we make it up because I already ask you how you are on the way in. Oh, well you can, but you we are can well. say it again. Yeah. yeah. How, are you, how are you dear listeners? How are you guys? Anyone yeah. having a particularly awesome day? I hope so. Maybe yeah. Instagram us. Yeah. Let us know. Tell us now We'd love to during know about the episode. <laughs> One day we'll do a live thing. We'll have to do a live thing. So continuing on uh, on our mission to kind of identify uh, and connect with kind of women in creative roles, uh, a friend of a show, we actually have friends of the show now, which mm. is weird, uh, a guy named Robin Chan, who I've not only had the privilege of working with, but uh, share a lot of similar interests, got in touch and recommended our guest today, Lizzie Hamer, who amongst being... An author and a doer of good, as I could sum it up. I was trying to read your CV and I'm like, how do I summarize this up? So it's a little good shit being done there. Uh, is currently the regional creative director for Octagon, which is this amazing agency that kind of spans experiential, sports and profile talent management, um, as well as really really kind of unique concept and kind of create uh, content and creative technology. So, uh, you know, and I got to work with those guys a few times as well. So welcome to the show, Lizzie. Welcome. Thanks very much. See you guys. So, uh, like, where to begin? Like, how, how, when somebody asks you that boring question, especially if on those speed dating nights, which is our off-air conversation, <laughs> what, what do you actually say you do? Like, I, I literally couldn't encapsulate your CV in in a, in a few words. Give us like the date pitch. You know, <laughs> you're sitting there on a date. Someone's like, "So, Lizzie, what do you do?" Um, you definitely have to judge your audience. Okay. On that one, I reckon. Um, so every now and again, I'm just the creative director, but I work across the region, which is super cool. So Japan, Singapore, and Australia. But actually, if I'm trying to be slightly geeky, I'm a bit of a story hunter. Um. I look for interesting stories. I'm slightly obsessed with humans. That's amazing. That's you know, We actually said a lot of this in terms of where this podcast came from, is the fact that Alex and I know are these kind of weird and wonderful people, and it's like... Getting chance to sit down with them and, you know, also affiliated with your agency groups with Ian Rumsby and as we are talking about before, like I've never just sat down and talked to him. I'm like, let's let's have a conversation because every time I see him now we just, you know, have a few beers and talk about everything else. So, no, I, I totally understand that. I love story hunting, you know. I think that's that's – I'm a storyteller but story hunting, what does that entail? The nice bit of discovering stories and then how to tell them is – is super interesting. Like you guys know that better than any, but looking for those stories in the right places is really interesting. So Octagon is all about sports and entertainment. We look at when people are at their happiest. So in sports, AFL fans, they love the game. They're in kind of that amazing environment when they're pumped up and they're ready. In that environment, in that stadium, you've got a janitor sitting next to a CEO. It's a person who thinks completely different thoughts from one another. But for that game, they are wholly behind their team. So I find it fascinating that we have all of these things in common with each other. And to go and find some of those stories behind who we kind of put out to the world. Um, we just did a really interesting project in, in the UK. Now it's aimed at Asian fans as in Liverpool Football Club, massive UK team. All the fans in Asia love it. Like they, they are obsessed yeah. with Liverpool. 
But instead of just kind of like um, telling stories about the about the club, what we did is we kind of looked at the fans. Now there's actually a blind fan that goes to every football game. Wow, I've never seen it, and I, I was just found this guy through kind of through kind of reading up around the subject, understanding who these people are, and like seeing his story. Just so happened I was looking into binaural technology, like the audio, the way that you record sound. And we were asked to basically give Asian fans like this really cool experience, but I didn't necessarily have a massive budget. So I couldn't do all of these flashy kind of VR experiences. Mm. So what if you take away sight and you just give them the sound, what it feels like to be at the game? Who's better to tell you that story than the blind fan that goes every week? Yeah. So it's like this like crazy mashup of a bit of technology, an amazing story, and it kind of gave everybody in Asia like something cool to yeah. listen to. Amazing. And so you've actually given a talk on this, right? If I looked at it correctly, was that at Spikes or was that further? Yeah, yeah. Spikes. And and how was that received? You know, is is stories something a lot of people are talking about in terms of wanting to know more about people, or you know, was that whole idea that you know, story hunting was a thing and, oh, I found something I didn't really understand about myself kind of through you. The Spikes story, the Spikes kind of presentation definitely started out from my journey and then went into how I use that in industry. Right. Um, oh, yeah, because Spikes is the creativity awards through Asia Pacific. Okay. The slightly kind of jarring piece that I have with our industry, um, so I'm not always warmly received, <laughs> is that I believe in authentic real stories. Mm-hmm. So a lot of marketing is, hey, we're going to make up a script. We're going to go and record it with a cast of thousands and they're all going to be actors. Whereas I'd rather go and find like a real story and have yeah. somebody stumble over their words as they try to explain it, but use that as a real piece of work. Yep. Um, I think you can make stories in lots of different ways, but to kind of have a real reaction to something, that it feels nicer. And do the results show that it is more effective? I hope so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so some of the projects we've created have had like thousands of views, yeah. millions, I should say. Um, effectiveness is a really big measure against yeah, creativity. Yeah. Right, yeah. And like it, I have to deliver business results as well. Yeah. yeah. So you can never kind of wander too far away. I think with the right type of storytelling in the right way, you can do kind of the brand's job and the story at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because that must be a real challenge, having this creative, like you are a, a creative um, for your your role. But then, as you mentioned, you've also got business objectives and KPIs and people that you've got to speak to. I mean, is it hard to kind of switch the two different heads on and, and or, or have you kind of learnt over the years to, yeah. to have them in one? Or do you just have internal conflict between each other? Like, no, this is the creative. No, this is the, the budget. <laughs> the challenge with marketing is that I never want to be the person that sells a whole load of something to people that don't need it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's the conflict that I have. Actually doing marketing in the right way. So I love working on products that are good or they are entertaining or they do something in our world that is okay. Um, I I, I kind of struggle with the issue of bad marketing being bad products yeah. opposed to the business objective. Marketing is all about kind of being able to convey your message. Now that message might be go out and buy toothpaste or it mm-hmm. might be support our, our seeing as believing campaign or which is a charity. Mm-hmm. So like there's definitely different levels to it. Um, I really like work that works. Yep. Like I'd rather have people react to something, whether it's polarizing black or white, 
but I, I still feel like in the marketing world, you've got to do it. So I'm not conflicted by business results. Yeah. And, and how, what was your journey to get here? Like, you know, especially in kind of a sports marketing agency, you know, if I can bring it down to that level, um, you know, what, what was the journey you took to get there? Because um, you're going to get a dream, dream job for most people. It's an awesome job. Like I, I can't take that away. And I think at the minute the industry's in a bit of kind of fluxes. Like is it one big agency that rules everything or is it specialists? Sports are really nice passion specialism and I kind of love being the expert in that, yep. that makes sense. So I'd rather be an expert in sport and entertainment rather than know everything about marketing. Yep. So I think it's a nice kind of niche to be in. Um, kind of domain expertise rather than necessarily good at marketing. Yes. It's almost like what digital marketing was kind of 10 years ago when yep. we were like, oh, you've got to be a digital art director. Whereas actually these days it's just you've got to be an art director or yeah. a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, digital has become kind of you have to know it now because it's just the way of life. So why, why sports for you? Are you just a big sports nut? No, not massively, yeah. to be quite frank. <laughs> I think creatively you can work on anything that you find interesting. Yeah. Um, sport is a great one because it's a unifier. It brings people together. So I love that kind of part of it. Um, I, I have to learn about every sport I work on. So when the cricket in India comes up, I sit and spend a lot of time understanding how how the passions uh, sorry how the fans react to that kind of passion point mm-hmm. where they are online what are they really doing uh, and I think some of that kind of cultural nuances of like the different sports is a yeah. really fun way to learn about it definitely but Adam Hodge as we kind of mentioned him earlier he's a hilarious strategist and he knew that we could work together when he gave me a a, a project and it was like Petronas and oil but they sponsored the Dakar Rally right and I was like know anything about this like two days later he found me listening to trucker podcasts <laughs> i need to get into their heads like what is going on in there do they really care about a rally apparently it turns out they do yep and so especially in that sports field is it is that heavily male dominated are you are you seen as a bit of a polarizing expert in the field or you know are you received with wide open eyes because they've been starved of women for the last six weeks in their agency or something Creative industry and sports especially mm. is definitely male-dominated for certain parts of it. So I, lo- I, I get the privilege of working with some awesome guys and a lot of women still, yeah. but they sit in the project management side of things right. as the creative. So as a woman in creative field, I'm definitely kind of uh, different, yeah. I should say, to my counterparts. <laughs> sports are a great one to kind of be different in though because every sports person really wants to be a standout in their kind of field and then anybody who's got a passion about sport like loves it for a reason and they've got a really kind of good story around it so I don't think people take too much worry as to kind of what I look like yeah Um, I guess it's when you're delivering interesting ideas that they go oh never thought about it like that you kind of go oh yeah. So rather than because I think you know some of the times that you know we've we've been talking to people, it's 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 almost been negative rather than kind of seeing that you know sometimes those things that make us different are the things that are going to propel ideas further because otherwise if it was the same we all all would have thought of it already massively. And so it is holding on to the bit that makes you really different. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask, um, how, like, how did you have you always considered yourself a creative? How did you get to be the creative director of and doing what you do? Um, yes, I've always been creative. I don't but what know. did you do? Did you go to university? Did you study? Um, 
I left the UK straight out of school. Um, I was a hockey coach in New Zealand. Oh. Then I was a football coach in the States. Um, I've been a lifeguard in Greece. Okay, so you are sporty. Oh, that's a lot more sporty. So sport was the way that kind of got me to travel. Like okay, I, didn't right. have, I didn't have any money to my name, so I went off and I worked. And I worked yeah. my way around the world. My mum then went, you've got to come home and get a degree, otherwise you're going to turn into a bum. And I was like, ah, I'll see you. I'll get an art degree. Yeah. <laughs> now see me become yeah. a bum. Oops. Now I'm a bum with a degree. No offence, art students yeah, everywhere. Pretty much. Who, Sorry about oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Started in fine art, as in like Ooh. hippie, trippy stuff. It was, all in, it was all experiences. That's what it's always been. Like it was, they were installations where dogs oh, were barking. You had to look I thought you were s- saying your arts degree was all experiences. And I'm like, we have talked about drugs before on this, on this podcast. You know. Open that yeah. <laughs> um, and then I went into graphic design because I was a little bit like, how do you make a living from this so-called art <laughs> This <stuff?"> nonsense. <laughs> Did a kind of a year in London um, and actually worked for the government in, um, for a charity called Kick-Ass. Um, and it was a charity that was aimed at people who aren't in the extremes. So charities are often for the homeless people or yeah. the people with drug abuse or the people with things. Uh, this was a charity for the regular person. Yeah. And it just helped you with regular stuff. Because, it was awesome. Yeah, because there's a big um, separate, there's, there's a big uh, like dissonance between we know about certain charities because they are, they affect like, yeah, heavily identified extreme parts of the population. But when you really look at it, there's a bigger majority who can be helped with just as many funds because they affect more people, right? And it's that kind of bridging that gap of there's a lot of people with some basic needs that aren't being kind of in the focus area there. Now, that's, that stuff's really fascinating, I think. Completely. Yeah. And I think that's – I've always had a little bit of the do-good kind of thing yep. underneath. And so that's where my kind of creative met the doing good mm. quite well. Yeah. Um Pinged over to Australia and kind of was here for 10 years. Love this place. Like, right. it's beautiful. You get to, like, swim in the ocean, cycle your bike to work. It's brilliant. <laughs> It'll be rained on Completely. 50 weeks a year. <laughs> so kind of did the traditional advertising marketing kind of background, but always had, like, a finger in a kind of a side project mm. or was kind of, like, working over here for some sort of extra kind of pieces just because you can get too stuck in your own bubble otherwise mm. if you don't, like, look at what's going on around you. And when you're working in marketing advertising, was that in account management or creative or? Always creative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because we've heard on the show before, Hey Jai, where there's been people who, you know, they thought they were creative when they were younger, but then as they got older, people have said that, that, oh, you're not as creative. And so they've kind of gone into more business or traditional routes uh, because, you know, they've been told they're not creative. So Yeah, it was Georgia, actually. Georgia Mappin, who's yeah. gone on to produce now this this awesome kind of TV show, uh, and just a beautiful story behind it. You know, used to consider herself creative, joined agency because she was a woman, then became a producer, mm. and kind of, and now only because she's kind of challenged that kind of thought, uh, has gone back into realizing that she is a creative. And one of the things we talked about is we kind of sense that that women are uh, more timid or or less less convinced that they are creative or a creative. Do you, do you see that? Because I know you do a lot of work with Sisu and she says, and obviously that's a lot to do with empowering young women kind of to be, be the best they can be and kind of set up role models. Uh, and even just talking to you, I don't think I've ever seen somebody so confident around what they do in terms of I know who I am and I know what I should do. So can you talk us through, has that always been a part of you? Have you ever doubted yourself in that way? Or, you know, is, is it really just sheer confidence and you, you, you want to inspire other people to do this? I've always loved being a creative. There's something amazing. You get 
somebody has given me a job and they pay me to come up with ideas about stuff. And like, it's got to be engaging stuff. So like that bit, I've never kind of, I've always wanted to do it. I always dreamed actually uh, sitting in London of, I always wanted to work for Saatchi and Saatchi. <laughs> now, when I came over to Sydney, I walked into McCann and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm really good at something. I just don't know what it is yet. And McCann were awesome. They hired me straight out, even when they were like, can we see your book? Yeah. And I was like, the, the book I'm reading? Like, <laughs> what do you mean, book? This is just a moleskin. I've, there's nothing really <laughs> new. Like, What's the book for people who don't work oh, in yeah. the industry? It's the portfolio. Okay. So normally, of campaigns you've created in yes. the past. Okay. Yeah. So normally you walk into an advertising agency, trying to get a job, you go, here's my book or my mm. portfolio. Um, so you are, are you art-based? Yeah, yeah, art-based. So you can either be art or copy-based. Okay, so yeah, then, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, somebody just, or Eric Ingvelstad, took oh, yeah. a, a very big leap of faith on me because he was like, you have no work. You've just landed in Australia. What is this? But I'm liking whatever it is because I ah. had a bit of a chat um, and still know him today. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah. So kind of le- leapt into it all. There's definitely some challenges that go away, uh, go along the way. So at kind of it, she says, we always look at what are those stumbling points? What are the points when you could fall out of industry? And there's just one, there's a few more stumbling points for women than there are for men in the creative industry. Okay. It's times that you trip up that you go, oh, why would I go back to that? Because it's just so painful or maybe I'm not good enough to do it. Or, and so those stumbling blocks, I was lucky because I had some really supportive people in my life. I had one stumbling block, which was a crazy, crazy as ECD, who literally would make me stand at one side of the office. He'd be like, show me your idea. And I'd hold up my piece of paper, like quivering. And I'd be like, um, so it's this. And I'd try and explain it. And he'd be like, rubbish. Wow. And, and then like throw something at me. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then he'd be like, next idea. And you'd be like, oh my God. And so, and <laughs> oh like you go through 10 ideas. It was like quite traumatizing. But he made me realize that actually generating a lot of ideas at the beginning gives you a lot more options to look at. You could take his kind of terrifying fear or you could kind of go, no, I'm going to like keep going. And like, he taught me a lot actually mm. about kind of just keep generating until you realize you've exhausted certain avenues yeah. and then you can pick which ones are right. It, it is interesting like because it takes a while to learn that discipline yourself to learn when you've pushed all your creative ideas enough or when to actually have an honest look and say, actually, now one's a bit rubbish and I should probably move on from it. Completely. So there's definitely those terrorizing kind of moments and I even had it only a couple of years ago. There was a moment when I was in an agency before I was in Octagon. Oh, I was just about to blame this on Adam and Oh, uh, yeah, Adam completely. And no, but I was like, maybe I'm not caught out for this. Yeah. Like there were, when people try and uh, tap you too hard to check that you're creative, it can be really exposing. Mm. And you can go yeah. like, <gasps> it takes your breath away for a moment. <clears throat> and I think all really good creatives like sit on that slight edge of like, yes, I've got this. I I know how I'm creative. And then there's that one bit in them that goes, am I? Am am I sure I'm okay at this? Because it's not as, you know, it's if you're an accountant or you're crunching numbers or something, it's a lot more quantifiable and you can prove it. It's like, well, yes, yes, I made this much money and I did it as a result of that. Whereas creative ideas and concepts it can be so much more hard to quantify, right? Yeah, it's incredibly subjective. Mm. And like, my mum loves all my work, but not everybody uh, else does. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and not everyone else, not everyone will, I guess. And they shouldn't. How do you get to, when you are having those moments when you're thinking, oh, like we've all had them, where you're thinking, am I really cut out for this? Is this what I need to, should I be doing? You're, you're self-doubting and questioning yourself. 
What do you usually do or what did you do to get yourself out of that? Um, so from a practical kind of point of view, I do three-month check-ins with myself. Mm. Um, I go, what have you done in three months? And that could be inside work or outside. And just remind yourself that you've done all of that. Because yeah. actually if you write a list of everything you've done in three months, it's a lot more than you think it is. Mm. And you kind of go, ah, oh, okay. And it's just that little reminder. And, and it's often good and I, because I, I do the same thing. Do you? Yeah. So I've got a list. So for instance, this agency, I've got a list of everything that I did that I felt for a moment of proud, proudness. And do, you, and do you do it from a personal, like a holistic, this work, personal and, and do it all as, as Lizzie does? I don't do personal. Okay. And that I actually realised that the other day. And I try and train my guys here to do it for themselves mm. for personal reasons, but it's also so I can give them a quicker review and they, they can remind me of what happened because... We're all busy, right? And so That's sometimes right. we don't take stock. But And I know you do your goal-making list, of this, yeah. which I still haven't done. You know, to point out this, you know, I do how, a yearly goal-making yeah. list, yeah. And um, we should go get your boat licence. I know, yeah, that was on the list, yeah. Um, but I, I think but it might really, be like really random ones. Like one year it was like learn all the words to shoot by salt and pepper or learn how to make eggs what? every single way, the perfect way. And amongst other things of like awesome. launch a marketing agency and, you know, rebrand our website. So it's um, big and little ones. But I think that's the <laughs> that's the cool bit is when you look at those little ones as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Because like literally I've had a friend who turned around to me yesterday and was like, oh, I've got to go, I've got to look for a new job. I don't know how to put myself out on the market. Like write me a career's highlight list, but find something really intriguing and interesting. It's like, what do you mean? Like I've done the same job for 12 years. Tell me a story that's intriguing. So, like, yeah. my career's highlights. One of the thing is I've designed the only Lego character outside of Denmark. Like, wow. It's not even that big a deal. <gasps> no, it's it years ago. <laughs> but, like, it makes everybody go, hmm, mm. I'm interested by you. Who are you? <laughs> Tell me more. Show me, bring me this Lego character. <laughs> Completely. But, but you're, you're kind of like, I could write, oh, I've done big global marketing campaigns. Mm. And you're kind of like, does any like what are the things that make you interesting? So like I now want to try every eggs made the right way yeah. because you said you could. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> and I believe we've just uh, witnessed Lizzie's extraction of stories. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Right? I've seen how you do it. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh -oh. I'm yeah. out of a job. <laughs> no, <laughs> now, now we know how to do it. I don't, right. think, I don't think I could replicate it, but I've seen it in action slightly, a little glimmer. So you mentioned before men have more stumbling blocks than, sorry, women have more stumbling blocks. God, that's me being a man, isn't it? Um, are there any other differences you notice between or, or things that, that women in, in particular struggle with in terms of kind of having that confidence, especially in kind of creative? So, <clears throat> sorry. So I've been a part of She Says for a long time now. Can you tell us what She Says is? Yes. She Says is a community that was started in London and New York and is now global it's to support more young women into the creative um, and media and digital industries. Um, it's sometimes a space, so it's often free events and mentoring, and it's basically to kind of put all those questions and those doubts and those things up on stage so that you can see that everybody else has them as well. It's almost a moment of being purely vulnerable. Mm. Um, I started <clears throat> here in Sydney and I was too afraid to say anything. Um, like at these incredible events where there's these amazing women talking about these awesome things, I'd sit at the back and I'd be like, yeah, one day maybe like, oh, no, I can't think that. And then I started actually listening to what people were saying and like extracting like two or three bite-sized things that I could make into, like I was using like, uh, this is back in the day, like many moons ago, but like 
old kind of iPhone apps that could make the typography look good. Because I'd done a graphic design degree, I was like quite quick at it, right? So you can get them everywhere these days. But um, and I would tweet those out. So all of a sudden, people are like, oh, who's the person that's kind of <sighs> making these cool stuff for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was basically just like gifting their words back to them. So it gave me a way to talk to them. And it was just this really kind of lovely step into being a part of learning from other people. And that's what we do, right? Like the way that you present yourself today, both of you, is it's awesome. It's kind of like, oh, I wonder how I become more like you guys. And like, what can we learn from the podcast? Like I find humans fascinating. And, and when we show people that we do things right or wrong and how we've kind of become better from it, I think that's the... That's the nice bit of yeah. showing kind of where you stumbled and where you didn't. Yeah. So the most successful, so I went from Australia to Singapore and I started She Says There. So I was at the front running it, which yeah. was pretty terrifying, to be honest. Um, and it took a long time to build up uh, a decent community. But one of the recent kind of uh, events we did was the Triple F, the Fabulous Female Fuck-Ups. <laughs> and we brought these amazing awesome. women together. And we always have guys on the panel as well because it, and we're also very conscious of where these women's backgrounds are. But we bring them together and it was hilarious. There were people who are now kind of like the very big CEOs of agencies going, oh, no, 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 I hit rock bottom. I kind of like got kicked out of everywhere. I lost my job. I was sleeping with a knife under my pillow in Hackney. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so how's that big? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it just kind of gave everybody in the audience that moment of I can relate to you. But it also stops people from being like put up on that pedestal of like, yeah. I'm amazing. Actually, everybody's got a good story. And it's and it's interesting. The, the more we speak to people, and I guess that's for us a big reason why, you know, even when we spoke to you earlier, it's like, you know, you come on and talk about your big achievements. But it's really just that kind of that normality behind people to say, yeah, we all kind of go through these things that really ground us and kind of teach us a lot of lessons. Everyone loves a fuck up story, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it's good. I so failed so. this time. <laughs> Have you had any major failures? Oh, plenty. Like, <laughs> Any that are like defining, you thought, oh, I really, I really fucked up there. I'm trying to think of a good one that will kind of have some decent learnings in it. <laughs> well, that's it, right? Everyone wants no, to just, know about no, I just, fucked up just so Just tell us something embarrassing. Then, <laughs> yeah, but then I, you know, grew out of it yeah. and this happened. Now I'm a butterfly. <laughs> yeah. This a dirty caterpillar. I'll tell you one of the hilarious things. So every month we do a monthly kind of meeting. Everybody comes together in our office. Um, and we started asking questions just to get everybody to relate to each other a little bit more. We turned around and we were like, cool, embarrassing moments at work. So we're going around the, around the room. And like, I was like, oh, pretty like, easy. Nobody will go too crazy. It'll be fine. I mean, there work embarrassing stories, right? How bad can it be? Oh, my goodness. No, really? Yeah. So there was literally stories where people had had to shave the face of the female athlete that they were on set with <gasps> no like, way oh. like that just took my breath away like <sighs> oh i'm so sorry um and these stories would just like escalate bigger and bigger and at one point i was like ah, we're gonna stop this now really? <laughs> we don't need any of these stories <laughs> <laughs> what was the story you shared my most embarrassing story oh it was at work and so for years i worked on the uncle toby's porridge account and I was mortified because the best way to make porridge steam is actually to take a tampon, drop it in water, put it in the microwave, and like you take that steaming hot tampon and you put it behind a bowl of porridge, and that's what's beautiful and makes it steam. 
<laughs> I was so embarrassed by this entire scenario that I was like, oh no, oh no. And you know when you're like so embarrassed that the first thing, as soon as my client walked on set, I was like, there's a time bomb behind that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Hit it with that. Oh my God. Have you ever had a really embarrassing work story, Jai? Yeah. You gonna um, share? I need to think of what's appropriate, what people know about. Um, I've had a client uh, wet their pants. Oh. And I was looking after them. And it was an accident. Someone laughed too loud. Oh. And I've never. <laughs> and I laughed. I laughed. Like, I mean, Lizzie's I should have hysterics. I should have felt. And, and it, was a woman. it was a woman. And I've never told this to him. You're an asshole. You laughed. Because oh. I needed to because she was about to burst into tears. Okay. And then I'm like, it's fine. It's like she's embarrassed that I was there, embarrassed in the room we're in. So it was quickly, and it was overseas at the time, it was quickly walking them to a bathroom as quickly as possible and then coming back to a meeting and pretending nothing had happened. The weirdest thing I had to do through the whole thing was go back to the office, ask somebody for, like, jeans. Because yeah. it's really, like, because also as a guy, I didn't really know what kind of outfit I was looking for and they were wearing jeans. I'm like, good, I've got it. That's one piece easier. Then the most awkward piece, sizing. So oh. I had to go and ask somebody. I had to go and look at everyone and say, which size? Can I, like, do this oh. quick scan. Got it wrong the first two times. Third, third time, got it right. And then explain what we do afterwards about getting them some new pants. Because obviously we're going to always <laughs> have to be one pair of pants down. So, yeah. <clears throat> it wasn't embarrassing for me, to be completely fair. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks. Oh, what a legend. Got some beard, Thanks, guys. A little beer break. <laughs> Wow, that's good. Thanks for sharing. That's right. What's yours? Mine doesn't go nowhere near that. I'm trying to think. Come on, it's a weird thing. Well, there's only one recently where, like, so we get invited to things all the time. And um, there was. You, you do. No, well, like, you know, you drink play and people, like, sense, oh, why don't you come check out this place or whatever. And so someone was like, hey, do you want to come in and check out, like, our new, it was like a bar that does pizzas. And I then sent it out to two girlfriends and was like, Hey, do you guys want to go check this out on Thursday? If it's shit, we can bail and go down the road to a, <laughs> go, yes. go to this restaurant, which is a competing restaurant down the road. And then my friend messaged me back and we to separately just to direct and was like, you realise the PR was CC'd and I'm not doing it. I was like, what the fuck? And I got on the phone and was like, oh, so embarrassing. That is too good. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't happened more for me in terms of a bad email. I've picked up a few emails that were about me to me. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's not great. The other person dies before you have to say anything to them. Like, yeah. And, look, you're already feeling shit, so you don't want to, like, make them feel bad. I always get people emailing me, hi, Adam. Like, my last name's Adams, so it's Alex Adams. Or it's like, hi, Mr. Adam. And I get that. And also everyone just thinks you're Alex as a boy when we're yeah. on thing. I'm like. So <laughs> getting back to non-wee stories. and <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that you threw a glass of water over your own pants just to make her feel less. Oh, that would be far See, too reasonable. That's why you're a creative. That's why you're in that industry. Why didn't you think of that? That's way more creative. <laughs> the real reason is because it's not just the visuals you need to worry about in those situations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so creative as you want, but um, I'm smiling too much now. Um What's your advice to, to, to anyone who wants to get into create, creative roles? And we speak to a lot of – I speak to a lot of people right now who, you know, they want to get, be a strategist. They want to be a creative. And I, f- for a lot of us, you know, who, who are more confident, who aren't really, 
you know, who have had big breaks and great mentors, as you've said. And, you know, as we mentioned before, like, you know, we've had Ian Ramsey on, who was a huge mentor of mine, um, still a great friend. But what, what's your advice to, to anyone kind of wanting to do what you do? Um, make more stuff. Yeah. Mm. Like it, everybody's got a passion of something and you can be the quietest person in the room, but you can make incredible comic books or you like, what is that one thing that like, I'd laugh you if everyone do. just ran, tried to draw a comic book. It's like, it's not amazing yet. Like, <laughs> um, but like there's, <clears throat> I've met a lot of people who aren't the most gregarious outgoing. That doesn't mean they can't be a great creative. Um, I think yeah. there's rhymes and reasons for each kind of person in a team as well. So a creative team is full of lots of interesting people. Your front man is just your front man. Like you, the lovely bit at the minute is building teams across kind of the APAC region because mm. you can see the strengths of everybody coming together. And so everybody has a place in a creative team. If you really want to be creative, just start making things. Like I've hired people off the back. Awesome, awesome chick in Singapore. Um, she came to me with her portfolio. She'd hacked together a Netflix door jam. So this is a thing that goes on your, on your bedroom door. Now, a lot of people in Asia live with their parents. What's the most embarrassing thing? If your parents catch you watching something nude on screen. So her door jam, basically, as her parents walked in her bedroom, it triggered Netflix to put on a happy photo on her, fo- on her TV rather no than having anything untoward. Genius. So How can you cool. not hire that person? <laughs> like, yes. Come on into the team. I do not know what you'll do, but yeah. we'll find you and something. And we'll never look at your search history because clearly <laughs> it's, it's, it's out of bounds. <laughs> you are not given VPN. Um, <laughs> so I, I think everybody can find that something that you go, I know I'm really intrigued. So it doesn't matter if you've got a job as a creative now or if you're trying to aspire to be one. Like, what are those quirky things you can do? How do you start becoming like an amazing secret foodie? Or like, mm-hmm. how do you... Um, talk or be around the people that you want to be like or like what are those things that could catch somebody's attention yeah and I think maybe just building on that maybe some of the advice is to like not also doubt the smaller things you do that are unique because I think yeah building a Netflix door jam is is brilliant but also as you said people have got some really interesting stories like when I met Alex she just wrote a food blog and as passe as that sounds now that was a big deal in 2009 but I think when we met it was like the whole conversation was you should keep doing this and you should really just keep going because it's good. And, you know, and I remember you showing me that first blog. I think, I don't think it was even on a phone. Like, this is a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time. But, yeah, there is something to be said for also um, sticking with something as well. I think that longevity. The way, the way you just spoke about your creative team, I couldn't help but – visualize you talking about a sports team as well and I wonder whether your coaching coaching sports teams kind of came in because you're like right I'm gonna have different players and everyone's got their different strengths and you might be my front guy but then we've got these people in the wings that are supporting I just I kind of feel like you're a coach I'd never thought about it like that but potentially yeah so this will be your next uh, job title is is Coach Hamer and yeah, creative coach. Oh, yeah, that's you're welcome. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> you definitely get the kudos. Yeah. That one. <laughs> There's something to be said though of I love a creative team that is really diverse in their thinking, but is also able to complement others. Like yeah, we call it I we call it positive gossip, and mm. it's the thing of like huh. say something amazing about that person behind their back because it will ultimately get back to them in a really great way. Oh, I love that. It's awesome. Positive gossip. That's amazing. 
Like that's that's I've never even thought about that. It's before. a great tip for anyone coaching a team, I guess, yeah. or running a running team. an agency of lunatics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we're probably going to wrap up and let Lizzie go soon, and I've already talked about this, but to come back to um, the female creatives, because off air we were talking about the double bind, and oh, I yeah. found that really interesting. Would you mind sharing what the double bind is? Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, as a female leader, um, you often face the double bind. So if you are incredibly um, authoritarian and you are leading an agency and you are really pushing hard to like make change and make something different, then you are often seen as unapproachable and unnurturing. So you're not seen as that nice. If you, however, are a massive caregiver and you are taking the whole team with you, um, you're seen as somebody who isn't necessarily pushing an agency or a, a thought forward. You're not a proactive leader. You're seen as a real nurturer and a carer. So you're nice, but not that good. Um, and it's the double bind that often, that a lot of women face. I think a lot of leaders face it as yeah. well. Mm. So I don't think it's just for women, but it is that really um, tight point that they've done a lot of research now into the double bind. And leaders are challenged by it, but even more so if you're female. Mm. Yeah, it's that it, you're not a boss, you're a bitch. And that, that, that real and that real dichotomy between, and I agree with you. It's for both. Like you're either a hard ass or you're not. And I think the best leaders, and again, I think we've mentioned a bunch of them, whether that's you know Ian's or even Ben or and, you know and Adam and all that kind of Octacon crew, is that knowing when to switch from one to the other and how to switch without people thinking. Well, even then, sometimes I think, in particular for women, then they're accused of being moody. And yeah. it's like, nope, just dealing with the situation as it comes. And, you know, every, you, you guys are being brats, but, you know, I'm still going to try and take you on this journey is is exceptionally difficult. And I think it's being pronounced now a lot more because women are in a lot more leadership positions. And, you know, this is this is where, you know, men are treated in a different way. So it kind of is beaten out of them to a degree, whereas kind of it's like it's a bit novel at the moment and, you know, totally undercoached, totally undeveloped. So that's kind of the result or the perceived result is probably more accurate to put it there. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a, it's a nice area to be aware of for everybody yeah. that this is something that's around. Now, you can have incredible leaders, both male and female, and you learn so much from them. Like I've never actually had a female boss. I've, and, and that's not a problem because I can learn so much from great creatives around me. But mm. then how do I style myself to be a good boss? We were literally sharing great pieces of advice at our last monthly meeting. Mm. And I was like, you always want to be the boss that somebody aspires to be. Yeah. And yeah. Like, you also want to give the impression that your job is attainable. Like you never want to be so far away from everybody that like nobody would want that job either. Some, so. Sometimes I want to feel that. <laughs> <laughs> In my glass office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that comes down to, yeah, whether you're a male or female, really. It just sounds yeah. like it's a leadership yeah, challenge and, and just the way you set yourself. I know for a fact your staff love you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, mm. I hope so. I've always tried to be quite mentoring myself. I never had my – well, my mentor in many ways was Jai, actually. You know, he definitely mentored me through the social media and digital world when I was first starting my businesses. And I think that's the other thing. Jai's only a couple of years younger than me, or even a year younger than me, but people always think it's got to be someone older yeah. as well, whereas mentors can kind of come in different – Shapes and ages mm. and genders. Just because I look older than you. No, <laughs> you didn't back then. <laughs> I didn't. You did didn't. <laughs> Too many beers in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. It's definitely one of the things we say. She says though, is 
yes, because everybody's looking for a mentor these days. Yeah. And actually, my thing is, is you have to mentor to be able to be to be able to get a mentor. So like everybody's got some good advice for somebody. Yeah. Like be willing to share that, and you'll realize what you're looking for and what you need as well. It goes both ways. I love learned so much from you, vice versa. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lee. I feel like we can just talk for hours, which we probably will off air of keep drinking more beers and keep going. Um, but we'll let you, we'll let the listeners go. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you uh, want to get in touch with us, you can hit up Jai. He's at Double Star Co. And I'm Ms. Darlinghurst, MS Darlinghurst. We'd love to hear from you. Um, why not recommend Eka? <laughs> I love how I've that? highlighted a piece of your your script and for the first time you'd be like, oh. Can we cut this bit? No, I'm leaving it all in. Why not recommend an ep- This is, guys, this is what Jai has highlighted for me to say. And every week he wants me to say it, but I don't. But this week I was trying to say it and I stuffed it up. Why not recommend an episode to a friend, pick a topic they might like and share it with them? It really does help our audience grow. Or was I not meant to put that bit in? No, put it in. Oh, yeah, put, put it, it in. on. All right, great. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, oh, also, if this is the first time that you are checking us out you can go on to itunes and spotify and check out lots of other episodes we're into season two which means we've got a whole season one that you should check out and uh and more where can people find you lizzie if they want to follow you online uh oh wow like it all right that's it from us thank you we'll be back next week thanks Thanks, lizzie Lizzie.